Welcome to the Bovine Banter podcast with the Penn State Extension Dairy Team. I'm Rainy Rosemont, and I'm a dairy educator based in Berks County, Pennsylvania. Joining us today are both Jenny Ishler and Tim Beck from the Penn State Extension Dairy Team. Thanks for being with us today, Jenny and Tim. Before we get started, if y'all could take a second to both introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your role at Penn State, that would be excellent. Thanks, Rainey, for asking us to participate in this. I've been at Penn State close to 36 years now, and I'm housed out of University Park. And in the past 10 years, I've focused on the whole farm system, which is examining the crops, the cows, and cash. And in addition to extension, I also co-instruct a 400-level class And over the years, along with my team members, we've done several on-farm research projects. Okay, I'm Tim Beck, and I'm also a dairy business management educator with Penn State Extension. I've worked in Extension for 38 years, the first state in the Kansas Extension system. And I got my master's there in remnant nutrition before coming back to Penn State. I've been doing dairy business management for about 20 years. I have an office in York, and I work very closely with Virginia to um, focus on profitability of dairies, especially as it relates to the cost of feed and how important it is to having a great income of feed cost for your dairy. Thanks for letting us know a little bit about you and what you do with Penn State. If you're ready to get started, today we're going to be talking about the economics and feeding of small grains on dairy farms. Are you all ready? Yes, we are. So for question number one, just to kind of keep us broad before we get into the details, can both of you talk about the small grain species that are typically used for forage in Pennsylvania? From from my experience, annual rye or triticale are the most common. However, I did read the Extension Crop Team's 2022 report where they have also been evaluating um, annual Timothy barley, and a mixture containing radish, annual rye, and triticale. So I'm assuming that producers across the state are are interested in in some of these various selections. I'm also seeing some producers who do grow some wheat, barley, or fall oats for forage, and especially the forage oats varieties, not just regular oats. But by far, as Jenny said, rye and triticale are much more common among our dairy producers. The other small grains really don't produce the tonnage that you can get from either rye or triticale. So I really think they're making the right choices there. So when you're planning to incorporate small grains into dairy rations, what can help determine the quality of the forage after harvest? Are there any benefits to cropping a mix of small grains instead of planting all one species? In Pennsylvania, our springs can be so unpredictable with weather, especially with rainfall. I know we talk about milk quality, small grain silage, where we're striving for a a low fiber content. However, to me, the most important metric is really dry matter so that the the silage ferments properly in storage. If the material is too high in moisture content, around 72 to 75 percent, then we're dealing with an undesirable fermentation, and that can cause dry matter intake problems that can lead to indigestion issues. 
some of our more experienced producers are raising small grains for silage. We'll broaden the harvest window by planting different species, which I think is a great strategy. And I would say you want to base your harvest strategy on the physiological maturity of the plant if you're going to optimize your fiber content. So as Ginny mentioned, you need to monitor your dry matter very carefully and check it because that will ultimately determine the quality of your farm, of the fermentation that you get. For milk cow feed, you want to harvest at the flag leaf stage. If you're harvesting for heifer feed and you're more concerned about tonnage than quality, you can wait till the boot stage to increase your tonnage. Small grains require quite a bit of repeated tedding to dry down to the desired moisture. If you just cut them and let them lay flat out in the field, they can rot in the field. And so you really have to work at getting that forage to dry down to the proper moisture in a relatively short time. Small producers who are not using custom harvesters often have difficulty harvesting at the optimum maturity if they plant large amounts of just one species and try to do all the work themselves. So they are often planting different species to stagger the harvest date you know, so that they can try to achieve higher quality forage. So being in the Chesapeake Bay watershed, we hear a lot about double cropping with small grains being a well-known method to preserve soil quality and reduce nutrient runoff. Do you see any use of small grains incorporated into dairy rations? And can you talk a little bit about how these dairy cattle perform on these rations that include small grains? I, I think the one main benefit of utilizing small grain silage is the consistent quality, like we observe with corn silage. The, the challenge we face with alfalfa and grasses are the multiple cuttings and the vast differences that can occur in quality throughout the spring, summer, and fall. I'm, I'm an advocate of the one-and-done approach, providing the consistency that our cows really uh, perform the best on. And I would say think of small grains as a replacement for alfalfa or grass silages in the dairy ration. But the nutritionist, no matter who it is, needs to formulate for metabolizable protein, not for crude protein when you use small grains. Nutritionists not familiar with that concept, they sometimes encourage their producers to apply more nitrogen than you really need, and they shoot for the 20% crude protein you might get out of alfalfa. That's just not necessary and it's a waste of nitrogen. So you really want to be sure the nutritionist grasps the concept of metabolizable protein and formulates for that. And in fact, they should do that for all dairy rations, in my opinion. Some herds increase milk yield, actually, when they go to small grains in the ration. And as Ginny mentioned, I think that's very often due to much more consistent quality and more uniform dry matter throughout the silage. So we just spent a little bit of time talking about small grains and lactating dairy cow rations, but have you seen small grains be used in growing heifer or dry cow rations? And if you have, how did these animals perform on these diets? Yeah, I mean, small grain silage for heifers and dry cows is most definitely an advantage. Small grain silage can be great forage for uh, these other animal groups, but like any forage, Using a current analysis is recommended to adjust the rations that need it, especially for the mineral content. And, and the key there is, is really for the dry cows. I, I believe small grains are excellent feed for heifers. They're lower energy than corn silage. 
and they're excellent to grow the frame size of your heifers without fattening them too much. But as Jenny said, watch the mineral balance on potassium and calcium for dry cows and formulate accordingly as you would for any dry cow diet, but with a little more care when you include small grains. So we just talked about how these can be fed to multiple groups on a dairy farm. Are there different ways to manage small grain cropping systems based on which cattle groups you're planning to feed the forages to? I mean, in theory, it would be ideal if early harvested material could be utilized for the lactating herd and other fields could be left mature, as Tim described earlier, that would be geared more towards the dry cows and heifers. However, the reality is the springtime weather patterns do not leave a lot of flexibility in trying to attempt this approach. And, you know, producers are struggling to get everything harvested as quickly as possible so that manure can get applied and and the following crop planted. And I would simply add, as we mentioned, check the physiological maturity of the plant depending on your targeted feeding group and try to aim to segregate those forages if possible. I know that's a challenge on many farms and it often requires an ag bag specifically for either cow or heifer forage that will allow that separation to occur. But as Jenny said, weather is ultimately going to control these harvest decisions and sometimes you're very pushed because of weather and you simply don't have many choices. So while small grains can be an excellent feed for dairy cows, there is an extra cost to planting, growing, and harvesting these forages. Does the economic input into these crops pay off when analyzing dairy profitability? I mean, there's a reason why producers continue to double crop and and utilize the forage for their herd. It, It makes sense from a nutrient management perspective. And from the herds that I've worked with, it does make sense financially. However, it's like any management practice. It, if, if it is not implemented properly, it can be a failure. And my suggestion to producers who are trying this for the first time is maybe to focus on quality that's appropriate for dry cows and heifers. Too many times I think we run into when, when the goal is to achieve that milk quality silage, and then when they fail, they're frustrated, and then they give up on, on the approach. When you look at the economics of it, don't look at the unit cost per ton to produce small grain forages. They may be expensive per ton, depending on your yield and your fertility needs, because the added nitrogen and the annual seed costs require some investment for these crops. But if you want to see the real economic effect, you have to look at the total cost for feed for the dairy, including both purchase and home raised feed. And the key word is substitution. Think substitution. You're freeing up land to grow additional corn grain and produce forages that may replace purchased grass hay. So your big impact comes from converting from purchased corn and purchased grass hay to home-raised small grain silage and home-raised corn. And in Pennsylvania, as Jenny and I have worked with producers over many years now, we see a big difference between the cost to raise home-raised forages and grains compared to the market cost of these feeds. We import a lot of feed into the state, and it raises our costs to pay freight and other car charges to get that, that feed here. But if you use a double-carping approach, as Greg Roth used to say, you could potentially grow 11 tons of dry matter per acre per year when you use a corn silage small grain rotation. And that really beats anything you can grow from a single forage, no matter what you choose. 
So double cropping and harvesting small grains and storing these on farms would lead to increased forage and help reduce purchase feed costs. Do you see a difference in income over feed costs for farms using small grains? Well, when the extension business management team did our crops to cow project back in um, 2016 through 2018, we had a diverse group of producers and it sort of divided out for the lactating herd that some are feeding corn silage and small grain silage throughout the, the entire year. Then we had another group that were feeding corn silage, some small grain silage for a few months, with the rest of the year being alfalfa silage. And then we had some herds that were feeding a combination of corn silage, small grain silage, and hay crop silage all year round. And we did have some that fed no small grain silage, but they were definitely in the minority. And with all these different scenarios, it all came down to management, both on the cropping side and the feeding side. And my opinion is a good manager can make any strategy work and double cropping can help producers that have a limited land base, reduce their purchase feed costs, and it keeps the rations more consistent, which at the end of the day helps improve milk income. So yes, I, I think we've seen these producers that are double cropping see improvement in their income over feed costs, but it's not, it's because they're good managers. Fairly agree, but I, I'm definitely convinced that you can achieve exceptional income over feed costs with small grain programs that are similar or better than what other farms are doing. So you don't have to look at this as a given that you're going to reduce your income over fee costs. Quite the opposite. You may actually increase it if things are done well. So some farms increase their milk yield with more consistent forage. And I think that's probably your number one reason for that. But cows also spend less time getting rid of excreting excess nitrogen when they use small grains compared to an alfalfa diet. So that's beneficial from a metabolic standpoint to the cow. So, Tim, I know you've been extensively involved in determining the cost for Pennsylvania farmers to raise a heifer. Have you seen a difference in heifer raising costs for farms that are feeding small grains to their young stock compared to farms who do not utilize small grains for their heifers? Well, in my mind, it's very consistent with what we see in the cost of production for the dairy operation. The farms growing their heifers using more home-raised feed have a significant reduction in feed costs. And the total cost to raise a heifer compared to those using more purchase concentrates than purchase forages. So basically the guideline for me is increased home raised feeds generally translates to lower total feed cost. And I've seen that quite consistently over the years with the data. We always see a wide range in the cost to raise heifers, but a big piece of that difference can be accounted for by differences in the total feed cost. So it's a really important issue and one that you just have to put attention onto if you're going to be successful. So that's all my questions. With that, I wanted to say thank you to both Jenny and Tim for talking with us today. And thank you to all of our listeners. If you have any further questions regarding this topic, you can email me at rfr49 at psu.edu. This wraps up season 10 and we'll be back with season 11 soon. Thanks for listening.